0: In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about the Sixers win over the Dallas Mavericks snapping their three-game losing streak. But mostly we talk about Joel Embiid's calf and more specifically James Harden's Achilles injuries with the update that Harden has been experiencing soreness in his Achilles for months and that he doesn't expect it to go away. Enjoy the podcast. Alright, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. So the Sixers snapped their three-game losing streak, a 116-108 win over the desperate but sort of dysfunctional Dallas Mavericks. A game where the Sixers came out flatter than Kyrie Irving's earth to start the first half, <laughs> but then came uh, turned it on a little bit in the second half, defended a little bit better, executed their offense a little bit better down the stretch, especially in that fourth quarter he was a 10-0 run, and came out with the victory. Of course, that's not really the story out of last night's game anymore, as after the game, James Harden says that he has been dealing with his sore Achilles for months, which certainly came as a surprise to me. In fact, I had asked a team personnel whether or not it was fair to characterize Harden's Achilles injury as having happened during that Chicago game, and they said it was. I don't know if that was just a miscommunication, maybe Harden kept to himself. We don't really know because we talked to Harden after we talked to Doc Rivers, so we haven't had a chance to question Doc on his management of this specific injury. The internet didn't react all that well to that news. There's a lot of uncertainty, which seems like a hallmark of this team going into the playoffs. I guess what is sort of like your overall take?
1: Well, I think my first take is that If he's been dealing with the Achilles soreness for months, that coincides with two months of all-NBA-level play.
0: Where we had been talking about, wow, he looks so much better physically. He looks like he's returning to his pre-fucking hamstring injury self. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it,
1: honestly. I don't, because it's like you said, the, the best he has looked in a Sixers uniform was over that time frame. And then you have the Chicago game, which we talked about, Was the worst he's looked in a Sixers uniform, which is saying something, because he didn't look good in the Sixers uniform pretty much all of last season.
0: Not physically, at least. That's what. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, He's pretty bad. He can still make a step back every now and then, but physically, he did not move like the player that they needed him to move like in the playoffs. So yeah,
1: and I, I don't know what to make of it, especially because after the game, he also says, "I don't think it's going away." Yeah, yeah. I guess what what did you make of his performance in last night's game.
0: I thought he started off pretty slow. There were a couple moments in the second half where like he would draw a switch, get Max Cleva on him, and get to his spots off the dribble. I thought he looked better as the game went on, which is funny because he sort of said it, that the Achilles felt worse as the game went on, which he ex- says he expected, but I do think he started to look a little bit better, but he didn't look like pre Chicago James Harden. I didn't think.
1: Well, I, I certainly didn't think in the first half he did. Yeah. Uh, but but you you also could say that could have been Rust. Like he was yeah. missing Joel on pocket passes in the first
0: yeah. no, half, he, which he is missed not nine really, days for sure. Yeah. They are two rhythm that. basketball players and they hadn't played together for a while.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, but the first half he did not look great. You know, he, he struggled to get by Luca on the one ISO, although I think in fairness Luca got the, the friendly harden whistle on that one where he was allowed to hand check the entire time. It's like when Harden gets stopped, he's allowed to hand check, and it's yeah. uh, you know. But by, by the way, nineteen nineties NBA analysts, oh my god, the guy was so much harder back then. Well, it was easier to play defense because yeah, when I see those possessions, I always gasp and say, "I can't believe they didn't call that." You know, you're not, not only to did put that, your hands but on a they guy. only
0: had to play like a seventeen foot square on the court. You didn't have to defend very far out. That's a you know a little different, especially when we talk about the energy level and energy expanded. Expended by a seven foot two hundred and eighty ish pound center. It's so much harder for Joe to play defense than like Shaq, for example.
1: You know you know what's funny about like the nineteen nineties analysts too? This this is a little bit of a tangent, but they're always like, Man, it wasn't easy for us. We always got chewed out or whatever. And that the criticism might have happened like on the court. You know, like maybe your peers criticize you and were more, more judgmental and probably rougher on you than you know kind of less PC times, I would say. Yeah, but come on, the amount of scrutiny from oh, yeah. outside of the, the NBA. If, if you have one bad regular season game, it's like leading on Reddit. You know, Harden, yeah. you cannot tell me Charles Barkley did not have one of those Harden Kings games last year uh, when he was on the Nets and he just stopped trying. But nobody knew that they, they would put it on NBC 10 and they, they probably would just show his dunk that he had, and they'd be like, right.
0: Quiet night for Charles
1: Barkley or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. You'd
0: you'd get a paragraph in the Philadelphia Inquirer that his energy level was down a little bit. And that's it. You'd move on with your day.
1: Yeah. Uh, So he was... Sorry, that's been bothering me over the past little bit here. Oh, no.
0: You didn't have shitheads like us talking all day, every day about scrutinizing this team. Yep. Uh, Yeah, so... Not a great first, uh, first half, first
1: quarter. I think he was 0 for 4 with two turnovers, played the entire first quarter, which was interesting. Doc said that was due to foul trouble for Maxi. I believe it was kind of a weird answer on that one, but it certainly yeah. left Maxi with an all bench unit for a little while, which is not what you're looking for, even if it worked out okay in last night's game. They held down the fort. Uh, I thought he was better in the second half. Yeah. And, and I thought, the the possession that st- stood out to me, there were a couple. We found Embiid on pocket passes, but mm-hmm. there was one where Maxi Cleaver switched that pick and roll, and he blew by him and found Melton for a corner yep. three. And I I was like, okay, that's that's change. That is James Harden from the past couple months. That's good. That's what you're looking for. Uh, so you know, overall, like I can't really cast a major judgment on does he have the requisite burst? Does he have all that stuff? You know, I think we saw it for a couple possessions in the second half, but. We're going to need to see it more consistently, and also, you know, with with this injury, we're going to see it in a couple nights after he just played, you know, I don't know what it was, 38 minutes, whatever it was. So, uh, I don't know what to make of it. You know, he's always been a high-minute guy, but, uh, yeah, look, it's not a comforting thing to hear for sure.
0: Oh, no, no, it is not comforting at all. It might not be quite as doom and gloom as the reaction was on Twitter. We'll have to watch him play for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs to really determine whether or not uh, it should be but it was definitely not like the combination of, Oh, I've been dealing with this for months and I don't expect it to go away. Not really what we wanted to hear. You know, I think there's so much uncertainty now where there wasn't like two weeks ago. It felt like this team was pretty locked in. And again, maybe that's unfair because he had been playing on it for so long and he had been able to work around it playing the best basketball of his Sixers career. But you know, I don't know. It's just maybe don't play 25 out of 26 games and play 37 minutes per night when you're, Achilles is consistently sore. I don't know. I don't know. You mentioned he like he was an iron man in Houston for a long time, playing 38 minutes per night every year, playing pretty much every game. He's not 26 anymore though. Like these injuries tend to linger a little longer than they did when you were younger. Uh not everyone can be, you know, a bionic man like LeBron James. Most people age a little differently. And uh it I don't know. I don't know. For a player whose season has been derailed a couple years in a row because of lower body injuries and sapping his athleticism, it just would have been nice to not hear this. (laughs) It would have been nice.
1: Yeah. But look, I mean, that Bulls game, he could say it's been hurting him for a couple months. That Bulls game, something else happened. It it was aggravated to an extent where it did not allow him to play at even close to his normal level. And that, unless he just was unbelievable at fighting through it, For those past couple of months, I I have to think that injury, like you said, the team personnel said that, you know, like it it would be fair to say that,
0: that that was worse than it has been. I mean,
1: remember that night he was limping out of the freaking locker
0: room that night. And I don't remember him getting looked at very often for that foot, like ever. Uh, That was, uh, that was new for sure. I think it's probably the fairest characterization is it might've been a minor soreness, like something that he was cognizant of, but wasn't really impacting him. And he did something. There's a play in the second quarter that David Early has been on that aggravated it and made it significantly worse. So there's probably a little bit of truth in both that it was a nagging injury, but it wasn't really something that was on anyone's radar and maybe not overuse, but a specific event, an acute event caused it to get worse. But even still, like it would just be nice to, I don't know. And it's, I I don't know if it's lip service
1: too, but he talks about the last six games. Like he's like, yeah, this sucks, but. We got six games left, and I gotta play in them. And it's like, do you, no, you don't. do you have to play in yeah. them? I think it'd be nice if you played in like four of them to keep your rhythm. But you don't. You need to play in six. What?
0: Yeah, especially because after that win, I think the basketball reference playoff probabilities dropped them to like a six percent chance of falling to the four seed. They now have like an eighty nine percent or so chance of staying three. Yeah, uh, Cleveland lost have, on Tuesday. They have about an equal chance of moving up to two as they do dropping to four, and neither of those are likely at all. So, all right, you've got a little bit of certainty where you're going to finish. Like, get healthy. Take take some more time off. I I don't know if this was the one where you necessarily had to come back. Like, I don't know. I, I, well, I am generally a very cautious person when it comes to injuries, especially lower body injuries. Take some time off. I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, he did take some time off. He missed four games, you know, and, sure. and I think... I think he was wearing a go in Denver and then Joel doesn't play. And all right, why bother? You know, like let's, let's take a couple more nights off. Uh, We'll see. Look, I I think some of this was rust in, uh, in last night's game, but it does suck that after three months of really excellent basketball, we're talking about injuries, lower body injuries to the two most important guys on the team, but it, it is what it is. Uh, Look, I saw enough in the second in the second half to be somewhat encouraged. Like, let's see, they're going to play Toronto. That's the notor- Like, that's a notoriously a uh, you know a gauge type of game for Harden. If he has it, he's going to torch him. If he doesn't, he's going to look freaking awful against them. But let's see what he looks like in a couple of days. I think uh, you know if he can put together a a nice twenty point. Twelve assist game that'll go a long way in saying, like, okay, I can manage this; it'll be okay. But uh, yeah, look, those comments were were certainly very interesting.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> interesting and surprising, I guess. On the positive front, Jalen McDaniels came back, and Doc said after the game that physically he looked uh, right for maybe. I think he said maybe the Denver game was the first game where he looked right physically, uh, but that he was encouraged by the way he looked here against the Mavs. I think physically McDaniels looked fine. Might've been a few mental mistakes here and there, but physically I thought he moved well. You certainly saw a little more switching there with that second lineup, which is always good to see. It seems like they're settling on that Harden McDaniels Reed sort of uh, throw George in there as well. Who's the fifth? It was the other guard. There's another Melton. Is that Melton? Melton. Yeah. Uh, so that's a group that can switch a little bit uh, and they seem to be utilizing that. And McDaniels looks good in that role. And then Joel Embiid came back, missed that one game because of the calf soreness. What did you think of the way he looked? Rusty. And
1: and part of that might have been because Harden was so rusty that it took them a while to get in sync in the uh, in the two-man game. Yeah. And, he, and he also
0: missed a couple of, I not want to say point blank, but like four to ten-foot shots uh, where he was going up contested that I think he normally makes. He did look a little bit rusty in that regard. He looked a little better with that mid-range game in the second half, but in the first half everything was either at the line or at the rim. Like we've said a million times, Joel's such a rhythm basketball player that even a game off here and there tends, it takes him a little bit to get back. Um, I don't think necessarily he looked bad physically though, which is key. No, no, and that hasn't been the case Except at all. Except for that wince on that dunk. The, yeah, did winced. you rewatch the, uh, the opening bucket he had?
1: Oh, he winced. I didn't see it.
0: Yeah, he did. I actually tweeted like, ah, that, Calf looks good, and then everyone yelled at me because he winced after it, which from our vantage point, like that was on the other end of the court, we were 120 feet away. Uh, we couldn't see that, but apparently, I went back and rewatched it, and he did look like he winced a little bit. That could just be an awkward landing, though. You don't want to read too much into it. I did not see too many other instances where he looked like he was in pain after that.
1: I thought he was fairly explosive the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, and really, really, the only time he has looked bad since this calf injury has popped up is that Phoenix game. And that is kind of the a
0: second half of a back to back, and everyone looked bad,
1: yeah that's the question of, okay, yeah, your calf is bothering you, but you also just look completely tired and sluggish, and you know well said you look completely tired and sluggish you did you you said it, you said, I was sloppy tonight, and that typically happens when I am tired, which is ding ding ding, absolutely right, yeah. so I thought he looked you know you know it wasn't his. Vintage type of performance where he's just knocking in mid-range jumpers. If JaVale McGee was guarding him the whole game, I think we might have seen that. But look, and, and th- this was important because we talked about a couple months ago, they got lit up by this team to an insane degree. Like, mm-hmm. it is one of the worst NBA defensive performances you can see. Mavs scored 133 points. It felt like 163 points. And as a
0: reminder, the Mavs are a very slow-paced team because Luka you know, draws you out and goes to work. They are, I think, second or third slowest-paced team in the league. So when they drop 133, it means they're incredibly efficient. Yep. So they scored
1: 17 points in the fourth quarter last night. Yeah. And I think a lot of the reason, Joel talked about it after the game, was the Sixers game plan correctly for them, where, yes, the Mavs shot 3 of 12 from beyond the arc in that quarter, but it was like the right guys were taking them. Bullock was taking them. Kleber was taking them. Josh Green was taking them and Embiid was playing the Romer role. And, you know, there was a lot of smart, like pre rotations, loading up to the ball. They were not letting Luka and Kyrie absolutely torch them. Those guys have eh games. And so it gets to the point where the Sixers were not great for a lot of this game. Um, there was some certainly some bad defensive stuff for a lot of it. Their two stars were rusty, but they managed to win one because the Mavericks are bad. They're bad. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. But uh, they won because they defended really well. And, you know, the Mavericks were held to basically an exactly average offensive game, despite some pretty good three-point shooting for most of the way. That's that's good. That's that's worth celebrating. That's, yeah. That was a good job by MB in the fourth quarter.
0: No, I, I mean, I thought I thought Dallas certainly missed some shots that they could have made in the fourth. I think they ended up with nine points on four for 16 shooting over the final 10 minutes of the game. That fueled the Sixers' comeback. But I, like you said, I thought these Sixers executed well defensively. I thought their effort level was good. I thought their communication was surprisingly good, which I feel like I don't say all that often about this team. And I thought they gave the right people the right shots. It was a, a really good defensive performance where they really they got a little bit lucky as well. And I feel like a lot of times we talk about it like it has to be one or the other. It was, it was both. Um, but that was, you know, it was good to see. Because like you said, and that that previous game in Dallas was a back-to-back, a travel back-to-back. A lot of times, it's real tough to take anything from those games. We just talked about it with uh, the Phoenix game, but they looked as bad as you can look defensively. And they certainly looked bad defensively at times in transition, and I think they got a little bit lucky with Dallas not converting very many of those opportunities into points. But I thought in the half court, especially in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, they acquitted themselves fairly well against a a team that can be a pretty tough matchup on that end of the court. Uh, And against a team that was really desperate, which... Says a little bit about the, what did Kyrie say after the game? He called it a cluster fuck. Yeah, feels about right. A team that is going in reverse and has a real bleak future if things don't work out. But we are not a Mavericks podcast. Thank goodness. Good luck, Tim Cato. But yeah, I thought I thought that was a, a pretty encouraging effort in fourth for sure.
1: Yeah, they were uh, they were good. To Anthony Melton, the up and down nature of his game is
0: yeah.
1: He he. Didn't
0: look like he had ever
1: played basketball before on Monday night.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and at, at times he looks like even even last night he looks like he had never taken a transition layup before. But in the yeah. half court, he 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 figured it <laughs> out a little bit. Uh, I have way more confidence in him taking a contested catch and shoot three than I do a pretty wide open layup. It's amazing. It's amazing. He even it's had that one where he was caught in between a lob to was it Paul Reed or Tobias. Tobias. I forget who it was. And he even looked like he was laughing at himself. Like it was really, really bad. Really he got
1: bad. caught and he just chucked it off the backboard. And it's like, Oh my God, that is, that's an all timer and bad layup shooting from you all, all season. But he was, he was great. Made his threes and four offensive rebounds too. Like just made the yep. kind of hustle plays you're going to need from him. But uh, yeah, he's certainly not as consistent as you would, uh, you would hope for.
0: Which is funny because I feel like for the first uh, first two months or so, he was super consistent, especially when Harden and Maxi were out. Um, but he can be a little bit up and down. But, you know, last night, 17 points, six rebounds, plus 16 in 33 minutes of play. They certainly needed that lift. Uh, got a little bit of lift from George as well. Again, if you don't count some of the decision making. He ended up with 14 points on nine shots and got a little bit of a a lift from McDaniels too. Again, when you don't focus too much on some of the mistakes, even though McDaniels only ended up with three points on night. Overall, a pretty good bench, which is good because they needed to rely on them for longer stretches than we're used to uh, with the wackiness of the Sixers rotations. But I thought- Good good Deadman
1: minutes? (laughs) Wait, wait, oh wait, he didn't play.
0: I mean, they were the best Deadman minutes you can get.
1: Monday night, the most anticipated game of the season for a lot of NBA fans. And the Sixers start Dwayne Dedman.
0: Yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing. To Doc's credit, he played Paul Reed way more. But again, my whole thing with Doc is he keeps going back to Paul Reed on the next game, which is good. Which is
1: good. I didn't completely get it, but it's also like... You do have to fill 48 minutes of center yeah. without Embiid and that's it's exactly like uh what they had to do last season in the playoffs against Miami when they were like all right we're going to start DeAndre and then Paul is hopefully going to play most of the minutes right coming off the bench that was when Paul like was just fouling all the time too i think that's probably less of a concern now he's a more disciplined player i would say uh even though not not the most disciplined in the world complaining to the ref after getting a three-point play what yeah. is going on here did man? you see
0: the ref's face he was like what do you like take the extra point what are you doing it was amazing
1: i love you know, it's like a you know he he, he doesn't get like a 50 50 call on you know his first layup then he gets hacked and one on the rebound is screaming at the ref he is <laughs> furious after getting an N one
0: who was it? Who came over and called? I think that was McDaniel's, right? Who came over and was like, "Yo, dude, you're you got the you got the extra point. Come on, let's go."
1: You potentially got three extra points here. What what are you doing? Yeah, that was uh, like those little moments or what get you through an NBA season, I guess. Yeah. B-ball, Paul yelling at the refs. He was he was very good last night, though. I thought so.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then we have coming up here, we have the. Epic rematch of Dedman versus former team. We'll <laughs> see if he throws any massage guns on the court. Looking at the uh, the playoff probabilities here, yeah,
1: you know, it looks like the, the Nets are a seventy six percent chance now to uh, to get the number six seed. Do feel I, I don't know. That? I think I I feel fine about it. It's you, you, Is that you only mentioned it last it's night. An
0: easier travel to Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, but the flight to Miami is pretty easy American-wise, too. I, I think I'd rather do Brooklyn. I, I mean, there's something about not having to get on an airplane. That's, it's nice. that's certainly like a nice Miami, thing.
0: I like Miami, though. I like Miami. I and too. last year, I missed it because I had COVID during that series. So I did not get to travel to that one. Uh, it would have been nice to get another chance to go down to Miami. That is entirely selfish reasons. I think they probably have a slightly better chance against the Nets. But I think they should be able to handle, assuming Harden even looks remotely like Harden. And quite frankly, maybe even not. I think they should be able to handle either team with relative ease.
1: I agree with you on that. You know, and I understand why people would say, uh, you know what? Bring on Miami. They stink. They can't score. But I also understand why people would say, oh, no, they have Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler. I'm scared. Uh, so I, I get both of those reasons. It does not look like they're going to play them in the opening round. Another thing, too, I was thinking of just looking at the schedule, they could manipulate it at the end. Where I think they play Miami in their third to last game at home. If they wanted to push Brooklyn ahead, you could just beat the crap out of Miami at home and then punt the last game of the season in Brooklyn, kinda of giving them even more uh more cushion. But yeah, it looks like it's gonna be Brooklyn to start unless something crazy happens with the with the Celtics, you know. Yep. But
0: Brooklyn has a like you said, pretty much a three and four chance of being that uh that's six seed and the Sixers have, what a ninety percent chance basically, of being the three seed. So that seems pretty not locked in, but with six games left, it's probably as close to being locked in, as you could expect. And considering where it was just forty-eight hours ago, it's uh, it's a lot more certain.
1: I mean, if they did play Miami, the take would be, if you lose to these losers, yeah, man, no. you don't deserve anything. As a series, you have to win.
0: I I, I w- it would be nice. Because Jimmy's just such a fascinating playoff player. I think he is a, a fun competitor to watch. See, um, I don't think
1: we'd get a ton of annex from him. I think he'd lose in five and have to... Be quiet about it. Be relatively quiet about it, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, relatively quiet is still more entertaining than the Brooklyn Nets.
1: No question on that.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, at least I guess we get to talk about Bridges a little bit. Who's, no, that, I think, having way more success offensively. But that's not nearly as entertaining. No, no, no. What do you think Bridges is averaging with the Nets right now?
1: 27 points.
0: 20, yeah. And, and like, not an inefficient 27 either. Like 50% from the field, that is 42% exactly right? from three. That was 26.8. You were right there. Ooh. To the point that. where I thought you were probably cheating. Uh, but no, he has been, I mean, when he came out, I don't think anybody saw him being a 20 point per game scorer. His his cousin, Devon Givens, local radio personality at 97.5, I'm not sure he saw him being a 20 point per game scorer, but he looks pretty well cemented here.
2: As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA BASKETBALL and you'll get a 1-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-5362. 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager
1: looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with
2: confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
1: Uh Yeah. That's about all I got in the game. Let's talk let's talk a little MVP. You had Joel after the game oh, saying right,
0: right. he doesn't care. And then he goes on to give a three paragraph uh, answer about why he still should be it. <laughs> I don't
1: care, but, but here's a two minute answer on right. why I don't
0: Missing think it that matters. Game shouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Look, yeah. and here's, you've said this in the past. Like, I think a lot of people are like, well, stop caring about the MVP, care about the playoffs, winning a championship. And it's the fucking same goal in order for six to win a championship. He has to be playing at an MVP level. The development he's made over the last couple of years has put him in a a spot where both the Sixers can be a contender and he can win an MVP. Where those two can be competing is in terms of playing and risking injury. And to his credit, he came out against the Nuggets and didn't play. He had the wherewithal to say the playoffs are. And look, does anybody who is around Embiid believe that he doesn't care about the MVP? No, everybody thinks he cares about the MVP. He's not fooling anyone. He's getting a sound bite. He's not fooling anyone. What he can't do is care about that MVP more than the playoffs, and I think he gets credit for missing that Nuggets game because he prioritized the correct thing. You know, Doc Rivers said before the game that the original plan was to play all three games of that road trip on the sore calf. I'm not sure way. that was Bad the Bad right original plan, if so. Call, yeah. yeah. I, think he's, I think that uh, Phoenix back-to-back was the natural place to rest him would that have have prevented the calf from being bad enough where he couldn't play against Denver i don't know but just from a logistical standpoint that back to back probably shouldn't have been played but i give him credit for pivoting and calling an audible when the calf got worse
1: yeah it just sucked i mean to, to play in phoenix and then not play in denver is look i think most people in philadelphia have already gotten over it but it sucked and you have to eat a basketball because of it <laughs>
0: I am I am looking into the logistical challenges and the safety of paying off my debt. Yeah. <laughs> I maybe yeah. I maybe should have, have looked up uh the process of making Horween leather before I sent that tweet. My order of operations <laughs> was maybe a little bit off. Honestly, it's a rubber that scares me probably more. But we will we will see. I will find a way to pay that off. Needless to say, I did not expect him to miss that game against the Nuggets. But I give him credit for prioritizing the right thing
1: you give him credit for making you eat a basketball yes. in some yes. way shape or form it's uh, and by
0: the way if i had an mvp vote with the fact that Jokic didn't make me eat a basketball way into my vote i'm not saying it would but i'm not saying it wouldn't either like only one of those two players has caused me to publicly eat a basketball
1: well thank god you don't have an mvp vote man the the, <laughs> the, the bias would just be not the Philadelphia bias, the, the, the make-me-eat-a-basketball eat basketball bias. Basketball. Yeah. bias. Jokic, congratulations, MVP. <laughs> and considering Tim Bontemps' straw poll today, if you'd voted that way, you might have swung the, the damn award the considering for, how close it for. is.
0: To be clear, I would not vote based on eating a basketball. To yeah, you clear, don't have a vote. It was a you don't have a vote. We're just no, they, they do yeah. not give a, a vote to the Daily Six. That is correct. They should, though. I mean, I think I probably watch more basketball than at least a third of those voters, if not half. But I understand their skepticism.
1: I get a kick out of how, for Sixers fans, the the Ringer is the boogeyman.
0: Yeah, twenty twenty percent of the MVP
1: voters are from the Ringer, and it's like, yeah, they might have like three or four. But
0: I think they did have like six last year, though, didn't they? They had six. I think right, they had like mind. six last year. It was a it was a good amount. Did you see Jason Tatum got a second place vote in uh in Timmy B's? poll it's uh that's crazy i mean i voted tatum fourth in that
1: poll but i, I gotta say one to three is so far ahead of four like tatum yeah. has been bad for a couple of months and I, I think he's clearly number four the
0: fifth place vote is like insane they should just get rid of the fifth place person at this point i think even when i voted in the straw poll back in what was it december i think i had tatum like third i think and that's when they were like lapping the competition I've never felt like he was putting up an MVP season. And I saw some people comment that, oh, well, this is proof that the, you know, Boston media bias that Mori was talking about. No, it's probably just proof that people are lazy and vote for the best player on the best team. That's probably what it comes down to. It's not like Tatum got a lot of second or third place votes. I think he got one second place and two thirds. I think it's probably just somebody like, ah, look at Celtics winning a lot of games. Tatum really good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> I think he's going to end up leading the league in total points, not per game, just because he played way more games.
1: <laughs> I can't find no. the the voting right here. Where I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to find how many people the ringer got because
0: I oh, think it would be year?
1: I think it would be funny if I looked it up and it was like, oh yes, 15 people from the ringer voted out of 100. That that would be pretty funny.
0: I think there's a good amount. I think there's a pretty good amount. Uh, here we. I. I. We will look this up and I will shorten it so that. Yeah. So there's not too much dead air. And
2: here
0: we go. I got it. Of rookie, most approved, six man, most valuable player, voter ballots.
1: The ringer. Let's see how many we got.
0: One, order. two, three, four, five, five. Five out of a is a lot. I, I I agree. No six. I'm sorry. You've got Dan, Divine, Rob Mahoney, Kevin O'Connor, Bill Ryan Russillo, Bill Simmons, and Surratt. That's a lot. That's okay, a lot. we looked it
1: up. The ring The Ringer had six people with votes. That's that's a lot. I think there are a hundred. That's <laughs> that's a few. Yep, I agree. Some some heavy hitters on there. Some big names, but even so. <laughs>
0: That's a, lot. that's a lot. They're the
1: boogeyman. You, you know what? You guys are right. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I mean, look, like I said, I I think the reason Tatum got votes is because people look at, oh, well, he's got the, what do they have? The third best record in the league right now? They fell a little bit. And he is uh, a leading scorer. He's going to lead the leading second. total points. Do, are they still ahead of uh, Denver? Denver? I yeah, no, they have Whatever. 52 wins to 51 for Denver. You're right. I just think that's lazy analysis, but. In that first poll, I had Tatum fourth. I was like, I, I don't
1: even care that Boston is setting the world on fire because this guy to me is a great player, but he's a cog in this unbelievable machine. Whereas Embiid and Jokic and Giannis, they're pretty much the machine. They, they yeah. are the machine. So it's, it's I a think different you level and I had thing. a pretty
0: uh, similar stance on that at the beginning. Uh, I think I had Steph and Luca. Ahead of him were yeah. the two I had at that point because they were, like you said, the entire machine. They were what the machine was built around. They were just a more valuable player at that stage of the year. Now, after that, you know, Dallas couldn't win a game. They're a clusterfuck, as uh, as Kyrie Irving calls it. Steph got injured, yada, yada, yada. Things change. Now I think it's very clearly a three-person race. And uh, voting Tatum ahead of any of those is pretty crazy. But again, I don't think it's craziness because of a Boston bias. I think it's craziness craziness because of laziness.
1: Yeah. As for fifth place, I, it. uh, do I think Joe gets it? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, I'm less confident now. I I thought he would be farther ahead in this poll. He's got to play Giannis too, where Jokic doesn't have to play him anymore. I think it might come down to those games. And you're playing
0: with a, a team that's locked in now pretty much as a third seed. They might rest Harden might not look the same. There's a lot of question marks. Team success does factor into those results for sure. Especially at the end of the year when you have a a meeting like this, they probably should not, but they do. If I were the
1: Sixers, I'd be playing those games hard, though. I would. I think the games to rest are kind of at the end, uh. But you never know because look, could Harden's Achilles pop up and you have a, you know, some more soreness? Then then you got to sit him. You know, it's it's one of those things where Doc even said after the game, he's like, we're going to give Melton some nights off because his back has been bothering him the entire year. year. Yeah, and. At this point, you know, with that win, you're right. Like they're they're pretty much locked in as a three seed. So, no, I think this thing is going to come right down to the wire. I thought that before, but I don't know. Even now, after that most recent struggle, it's, I think it's really just a complete toss up. And in a lot of cases, I think it's going to be like, how many second place votes does Giannis get?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: How many first place votes does Giannis get? Because I think he's probably going to finish third just in the the voting, but. Oh, but I think I mean he wasn't that far off either too, so I it, it's pretty wild. I think it's uh it's super close. So I, I don't really have an opinion. I, I would have said he's ahead, and I guess I would be technically right based on that, but it I thought he'd have a little bit more of a working margin, to put it that way.
0: Yep. Luckily he doesn't care about it though.
1: No. I had whatever I had last game. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like he doesn't know his exact stat line.
1: No, he's very cognizant of his own stats.
0: But that's okay because yeah, I don't I don't get why we have to like why we have to hold it against people for caring if they're voted as the best player in the world. You should want you should care.
1: I used to count my points when I played basketball. Sure. I'd be like, "All right, I have 8." You don't but count. It's a lot shots, easier but
0: I counted my points for sure.
1: It's a right. lot easier to count to 8 though <laughs> yeah. than to be Joel now, in fairness, he has like a scoreboard that he can look up at and say, "Oh, I've got 44 right now." Like that's, right. you know, he, he's got the uh, the benefit of more people caring and more people officially tracking what he's doing. But uh, I bet you he probably know anyway that he is 36 100%. or 50 or 12, whatever it is. So,
0: 100%. and and again, when I say like, of course Joe cares about the MVP, I don't say that begrudging at all. Like he should care, just don't prioritize it over being healthy for the playoffs and credit to Joe for sitting out that Nuggets game, even if it causes me some digestion problems. All right. All right. I think that's probably just about all that I have. They have six games left over what about a 10 or 11 day span here. So still pretty packed schedule. Most of that, most of it, I think it's what even three home three on the road. Uh, So they have their work cut out from luckily they're locked in as pretty close to locked in. As that three seed, even falling to the four isn't the worst thing in the world. It was really that push for number two that could have caused them to, you know, prioritize or maybe take a few more risks. That is pretty much gone. So we will see how they manage that and how that impacts Joe's MVP odds. But thank you, Rich, for jumping on. And we will talk to you soon. See you, man.